All right, if you take your Bibles together with me this morning, we're going to be looking in the book of Luke and chapter number 10. In the book of Luke, chapter number 10. I couldn't help but think when we were singing that song that some of the words are that kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about uh, that name. Now for all of us this morning, and we hear a lot about kings or leaders of countries and especially in the news, I think lately or whatever, and uh, we focus on rulers and kingdoms or nations or what's going on in our world, but there's going to come a time when they will be no more. And the only thing that's going to matter is the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for some, that will be an eternal experience, but for others, it won't. So we're saddened when we think that way. But all right, now in the book of Luke, in chapter number 10, Luke chapter number 10, and I'm going to read... Uh, in your hearing or as you follow in the Bible, verse 38 through verse 42. Verse 38 through verse 42. And the last two Sunday messages that I've brought, I shared with you that I took notice of the places in the Bible where one thing is found. And, you know, that makes us think when we read about one thing. And I think I found about 16 times that that's mentioned in the Bible and thought I would bring a message about some of that, not all of it, but certainly not all of it, but some of it. So we come this morning with another one. Uh, You might remember that the first one that I shared was the encounter that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. And he wanted to know what good thing he could do that he might inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, you know, the, you know the commandments and all that. And he answered and said, all these I've kept from my youth. And then Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And he doesn't say what that one thing was. But we know what it was. You can't, the Bible says, you can't serve God and mammon. Mammon being material things that we have in this world. And Jesus made that statement. And I brought out the fact that many times Christ said, you cannot be my disciple. And we ought to look that up and we ought to read that. But that was the one thing there. And that was just heart-wrenching. But of course I shared with you that I believe that it was uh, um, the one who gave his tomb for Christ uh, to be buried and that Jesus loved him, of course, and, and I believe that he, was, he had come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Then the next time I shared with you from Psalms 27 and verse number 4, and I'm just going to go back there and read that, Psalms uh, 27 and verse number 4 
And uh, here's what it says. In Psalms 27, verse number 4, it says this. One thing, this is David, Psalmist David talking. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And boy, I thought that was neat because there are many things that we desire of the Lord. There are many things I desire of the Lord. And we talk to Him about those things that are on our heart and our mind. But the psalmist says one thing I desire. In other words, this was priority in his experience. That I will seek after, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. And so in our text this morning, I believe that uh, how to experience that, uh, the beauty of the Lord in our worship experience that's really important. I really believe that with all my heart. And I think we have an idea from our text this morning about how that's experienced in our life. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse number 38. And we pray this morning that the Lord will do what He's promised that He would do. And that is always to bless His Word to our understanding. So in verse 38, here's what it says. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much uh, serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But here it is. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, let me start this morning by sharing with you, and I'm sure that most of you already know this, if you've done much reading in the, in the New Testament, that there was a special home to our Lord and Savior as He traveled this earth. And it was Martha and Mary who are named here in our passage of Scripture, and they had a brother, and his name was Lazarus. And so just about the whole, if not the whole, I can't remember exactly, of John chapter 11 is devoted and dedicated to the death of Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead and the conversations that went on between Christ and Martha and Mary related to that. They were dedicated people. And Jesus loved them. As a matter of fact, I remember in John chapter 11 uh, that I believe it was Martha that said, Lazarus whom thou lovest is, is ill or is sick or what have you. And so uh, they even said that. And we sing sometimes that song, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. You know, uh, I think probably uh, some might wonder, well... How do you know that? How do you know that? Well, believe me, if he loves you, you know it. You'll know it 
in your experience in, in life. And so she makes that remark. I, I thought it was interesting too, in the Gospel of John, John speaks of himself as being the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so it's not wrong for us who know the Lord to rejoice in the fact that we're loved. We have been loved. Loved with an everlasting love, as Jeremiah said. That's just awesome. Loved with an everlasting love. And he goes on in that text to say, therefore with loving kindness that he has drawn us to himself. So this was a unique home. And these were dedicated uh, individuals. Matter of fact, if you want to turn with me to John chapter 11, and uh, I'm sure you are really familiar with this passage of scripture, but it brings out that point that they were dedicated. I'll read just a few verses from that, from that chapter. I'll read, well, let me read the first few verses, uh, beginning of verse one. Now, a certain man uh, was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and, his, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Speaking of the dedication of these individuals, we would know they were dedicated believers, else Jesus would not have spent as much time with them and ministering to them, and they ministering to him. We know that. And so it's mentioned here about Mary, and I'm sure you're familiar with that story with Mary, where she brought an ointment and she anointed Jesus with that ointment, and, uh, and it's mentioned here in this passage of Scripture. Very expensive. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere one time that it would cost the equivalent of a year's wages for that. Now can you imagine that? A year's wages. And so it was Mary who did that. Now speaking of their belief and their devotion, the Bible says this in verse 20 of that 11th chapter, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. And said to Martha, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of, of God, God will give thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and life. And he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And listen to this. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. So this is something about this home and something about the relationship that they had with, with the Lord. So Jesus had come to uh, the village and uh, they, he was invited into their home. And I'm sure that many times in the earthly ministry of our Savior, he was in this home. There's a whole lot, the Bible says, that we don't have the details. There wouldn't be books enough uh, to contain all the things that happened during his earthly ministry. But the Bible says here that he was received into their house. And so this one thing, I, I want to share with you just a little bit about 
what that one thing is, what I believe it is, and you might say, well, it's spelled, it's, it's spelled out in, in the scripture here, but it means a lot more actually than what we might read on the surface. There are things that are implied related uh, to this. I want to share with you that. Then I want to share with you why Jesus said it is needful. What kind of benefit is it that we would receive from that? And then the third thing I want to share with you, time permit, is a wonderful promise that Jesus made uh, related to what Mary was doing and what Mary was experiencing uh, in this passage of Scripture. So what was the one thing? Jesus said this in verse 42. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. Well, uh, it is uh, given to us here in, in two ways. One, she was sitting at Jesus' feet. And I think that tells us something really important. And the second thing is, the Bible tells us here that she was sitting at his feet and heard his word. Sitting at his feet and heard his word. Now, in the Bible, there are several instances where people are at the feet of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn to these. I might ask you to turn to one of them because I think it's unique. Uh, but uh, things like, uh, I'll, I'll read these scriptures. This is found in Mark chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. And behold, there cometh the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, uh, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Fell at his feet. Now, you know, we don't witness any such thing as that. I don't, I don't think. I don't know that I've ever seen that happen or whatever. Uh, they tell me that dedicated Roman Catholics kiss the Pope's feet. Now, I've never seen that. I've just heard that that, that, that happens. But, uh, you know, this man came, and when he came to Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, I, I really think that one of these days, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I believe when I come, uh, come face to face in the presence of my Lord and Savior, that that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to fall at His feet. I just, I just can't wait till that happens, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But fell at His feet, and it goes on to say, and besought Him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, as she may be healed and shall live. And so this man fell down at his feet. So I believe that there's something that's pictured in that in our relationship with the Lord. I really believe that with all my heart. It is a symbol of reverence and respect and humility on the part of those who did that, those who did it. And I believe it will be one day when you and I do that, uh, falling at his feet. Another passage says this, and this is in Mark 7. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard him and came and fell at his feet. Now, I'd like to give you another one, and I'd ask you to turn to this one if you would. It's in Luke chapter 7, and it's an interesting a passage of Scripture. And I'll read several verses in this chapter related to this. And remember, this is the point that I'm making. This falling at the feet of Jesus. I'll start reading in verse 36. 
And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down and meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Now, this is not Mary. This is another incident where this was done, I believe, by, uh, by another woman. And may have been done many times in, the, in, in that period of time when Jesus walked the earth. But it says, and behold, in that city, which a woman which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which was bidden which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. Now, he didn't verbally say this, but guess what? Jesus knew what he was thinking. Spake within himself, saying, This man, if he, had been a, if he was a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered him and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he, says, and he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, and one owed him five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when he had, uh, had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them would love him most? And Simon answered and said unto him, I suppose that he whom thou forgave the most, whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seeth this woman, I have entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, little, the, the same loveth little. Oh, it's been our experience, I know, those of us who know the Lord. Over the many years, probably, that we've known Him, to know some who didn't seem to uh, bear any fruit, that they loved Him, that they really loved Him. And so there's something in this statement that is made here, and he goes on to say in verse 48, And he saith unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that said it meet with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. So there is an illustration of that. This woman at the feet of Jesus. So what does this one thing? what is this one thing? Well, first of all, I believe that it is uh, a, a, an experience or a walk or a life that is spent at the feet of Jesus. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this or not, but when you pray, have you ever thought about being in the very presence of the Lord? That's what the Bible tells us that happens when we pray in faith and when we pray in the will of the Lord, when we interact with Him in our private experience, when we interact with Him, we actually enter into His very presence. We approach the throne of grace in our prayer and in our commitment, our devotion to Him. 
That's something that the Bible tells us in the, in the book of Hebrews. So being at the feet of Jesus, this one thing, I believe, is an experience of deep devotion and uh, covenant relationship and commitment uh, to the Savior. It's that experience that we have. Now we have an experience, of course, when we meet together and we're assembled in the house of the Lord. I know that. But then I know too that when we know Jesus, we have an intimate relationship and walk with Him in our personal and private life. But then there's a second thing that is mentioned here, uh, identifying the one thing. Not only was she at His feet, but she was hearing His Word. Hearing His Word. Now I believe there's so much that is in that. Hearing His Word. The Word. And of course, there's no distinction that can be made between hearing His Word and the Word of God. It's all His Word, actually. Every bit of it is. But there's something unique and special about the Word of God. And it's not just a hearing uh, of the audible sound. It's not just hearing that. But it is an experience with the Word of God. And, and I think that the difference can be expressed in this way. It's like you look on the page and you read the Word. And, and, and you just read it. You just read on and on. And, and uh, I, I know that I express something that probably many of you have experienced in life. The longer we live and the longer we follow the Lord, the harder it is just to read through the Word. Just to read through the Word. And you say, well, why is that? Well, I tell you what, it's been a long time since I've done that. And it's not wrong on my part uh, not to do that, to just read it. There's a difference in reading, just reading the Word. And there's a difference uh, in, in between reading it and actually experiencing the communication that's going on uh, through the Word of God as the Lord speaks to our heart. There's just a world of difference in that. And I can speak to that because it's an experience that, that I have. So we may read it or we may hear it read. I know that as I read those verses of Scripture about that woman at the feet of Jesus, that some of you were just listening to it read. But you know what? It doesn't necessarily touch our heart and touch our life. It doesn't necessarily do that. I'm sure down through the many years that many have read the Word or heard the Word read to them, and it had no impact on their life. That can happen. It does happen. It does happen. It's a reality. But there's a difference between that. And I believe that in this passage of Scripture, you say, Preacher, why do you believe that this was her experience as she heard the Word? I believe it because of her position she'd taken and because of what Jesus said about it. He, what He said about it. She was really hearing the Word. There was interaction going on between her and the Lord. Now we, we have that experience uh, hearing the Word. When we hear the Word uh, in Bible study or in the preaching of the Gospel, we hear the Word. We may hear the Word. Then again, we may not. But we hear it in that way. And, and we actually experience that, I think, in our interaction, uh, for example, in this setting with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we experience that. And you know how I love these words. I'll turn back there and read them. It's in the little book of Malachi. And, 
It's in the last, uh, next to the last chapter. And here's what it says in chapter 3 and verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. They spake often one to another. You know, that's the interaction that God's children have with each other. That's one of the things I love about uh, being in church, in church service. Is being able to talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do that often. And I appreciate the fact that you initiate some of those conversations and the things you say. But they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. Does he hear that? Is that of interest to him? It is. And it says, and a book of remembrance was written before uh, him uh, for for them that feared the Lord and thought upon His name. Now, now God don't have to write anything down. This is, this is human terminology we can relate to, but it means that this was important to Him. Could you imagine one of these days being before the Lord, and He may remind us of conversations that we had. He doesn't ever forget that. God doesn't forget. God knows all things. And so, that's another uh, thing that we can experience along the way. Now, Jesus says about this one thing, and I, I want to make I want to make this point right quickly. It's not that other things are unimportant or are not important. They are they are important. Jesus said to Martha, "You're careful and troubled about many things." Now, I want to say something about that. We all have. Are many things. Every one of us do. Every one of us do. I, I think maybe the only exception might be uh, uh, asleep in Josh's lap this morning. <laughs> he don't have many things. He don't know how blessed he is. Amen. <laughs> he just doesn't know. So actually, one of these days, you'll tell him what the preacher said. And but we all have that. We all do. And you know, it's not saying that the many things that we have going on in our life are not important because those many things, now they may be some that you have in your life that's just pure old not important, that you oughtn't to be wasting your time and effort on, uh, you know, but there are many things that are important. And you know, Martha was doing something good here and doing something right. She had invited... Jesus, but you know, we know that he wasn't the only one in her own because there was always a group that was with him and moved with him always in the New Testament. So we don't know how many might have been in that home, but it would have been a, a big deal to serve them and to provide a meal for them. And this is what she's making reference to. And so this was something that was important to her. But you say, well, how do we... How, how do we deal with the many things that are going on in our life related to the one thing that I've shared with you that's recorded here in the Scripture? How do we do that? And, and, and we do that, it's a matter of priority. That's what it is. She, Jesus said, but one thing is needful, and, and Mary, in verse 42, has chosen the good part. So, if we examine our life and we understand that all of these are parts that goes on in our life, is there, is there parts that good and most important and most needful? 
And I think that's what the text is teaching us this morning. The many things, the many things, and a, a right attitude about those many things are so very important. And you know, I believe in the walk of the Christian, there needs to be a time in our life when we pull away from all the many things and we try to put them out of our mind, really. And I do that. I'm not saying something that's not a part of my, my experience that I have. And I, I like to spend time in the Word uh, in the morning hours. And when I can, when I've not got something else that's pressing or whatever. And I have a study at home, and it's in, back in the backyard. Uh, it's separate from the house. And every morning when I can do that, I go in that study and I spend some time alone in the Word, and it is a joy in my life. I think how we, how we deal with the many things is so very important. You know, there's a passage, and I, I, I've given a lot of thought to this. It's in the book of Matthew, and it's in chapter number 6. And, and I made reference to this uh, the first message I brought on the one thing, when I said that Jesus had made the remark that you can't serve God and mammon. You, and you can't. You can't serve God and mammon. And here's what, here's what Jesus says in this chapter. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, or you name anything, anything else about that. Moth and rust doth corrupt. That's in verse 19. And where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupt, and thieves do not break through to steal. And then this important thing that Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's just true. It is just a fact. But he goes on, and he said what I shared with you in verse 24, no man can serve two masters. And there's something interesting that is stated in this chapter. He says in verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or where shall we be clothed? Now that's hard for us to comprehend when he says, Take no thought. Because we do. We do take thought of that. We do think about that. And, you know, I'm no different than anybody else. Man, I've had to work really hard to take care of my family. Even many years in the ministry. About 20 of them. Uh, I, would, I was working every day, rain or shine or whatever. And, uh, you know, so that, that's something, that's one of those many things that are important. I think we answer that question by verse 33 where he says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he goes on to tell us in Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 18th verse, that when we are able to provide for our needs, it is God that gives us the ability to do that. And so, and so it's, it's important that we understand we're taught in this passage of Scripture priority. That's what we're taught, actually. That's what Jesus is saying. So why is it needful? Why is it needful? Well, I think it's needful for several reasons this morning. I think that it is needful 
for our assurance. Now, when I say that, I mean our assurance of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a firm believer in the fact that people can know they are saved. The Bible spells it out that we can know. The little book of 1 John says a lot about that. I think it's some 38 times in the little book of 1 John that know or the equivalent of that is found in that book. So it's a no-so relationship. That's where our assurance is. Am I going to heaven when I die? Or when Jesus comes back again, will He take me home with Him? We think about that, right? And that's what we call assurance. And I love that song, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. Born of the Spirit. And in His love. I can't remember exact word. But it's a wonderful song. And one of the greatest experiences that we have is assurance. Now I want to just tell you something related to our text. I think apart from experiencing this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, like Mary was experiencing here, it's impossible to have assurance. It is impossible. And, and I believe that's one of the ways that we know for sure that we are saved when we experience at His feet in His Word. I think that's it. So it's, it's needful for that. The second thing I think it's needful for uh, growing as a Christian. It's needful. Of course we would know that. We would know that a healthy Christian is one that grows. And uh, we grow because we feed uh, upon His Word. What a wonderful thought that is. The Bible says things like this. Now, in this was the Old Testament experience of God's people. And He says this in Deuteronomy, And He humbled thee, suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna. Ah, fed thee. Which thou knewest not, neither did the fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So is that our experience? It sure is. That's what the Bible is saying. The Bible says this uh, in the book of Job, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his word more than necessary food. The psalmist said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. In that day, there was nothing any sweeter. I personally don't think there's nothing any sweeter today. There's a lot of sweets, but I, honey, you just can't beat. I really believe that. On and on and on, the Bible talks about that experience. It's necessary. This experience Mary had was necessary for us too, that we may grow as Christians. We may grow. You know, I've known the Lord a long time. 58 years. And I'm thankful that I'm still learning. And I'm, I'm still growing. Uh, maybe not as fast as I have at times in the past spiritually. But if I ever come to the... Listen, if I ever come to the place where I don't think I need to learn anything else or I need to grow anymore, you, I am in trouble. Lord just may as well just take me on out of here. I'm not fit for nothing anymore. And so that's the experience that we have. It's also needful, I think, for our contentment. The Bible talks about contentment and our joy that we have in life. That's part of the joy. That's part of the peace is that interaction we have with the Lord. And it's also needful for our 
witness. Now let me explain something to you. Now, Sue and I have, uh, to the best, best of our ability, we try to follow the Lord and live for Him. And we've raised two boys. You know, you can't fool those kids. If you have a right relationship with the Lord, they're going to know it. And so is everybody else. You can't hide it and you shouldn't. You don't light a candle, Jesus said, and put it under a bushel or under a bed. You let it shine. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so this kind of intimate relationship with the Lord is visible to others. It's part of our witness. I believe in lifestyle evangelism. I believe that people who know us and watch us and listen to us and everything. We raised two boys, Sue and I did. We raised two. And they actually lived with us. Parents sometimes, I think, don't understand how much they communicate to their children. And so you can't hide that. And it's there. And it's real. And it's a good witness. And I'm thankful that that's true. Now I'll just make, I know I've run out of time, but I'll make just a quick remark about the promise that's made here. The Bible says this in verse 42. But one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen, chosen that good part. Now, Martha was saying, make her get up off the floor, and I think that's probably where she was sitting there and listening to Christ, and make her get up and come and help me. She was all frustrated. And Jesus said, and that shall not be taken away from her. Well, what if Martha had done the same thing? Which she probably should have. <laughs> she probably, uh, and, well, you say there would not have been no serving. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have made no difference. It would have been an experience that Martha could have had with the Savior too. You see, the Lord, not only was it a good experience for her, but did you know the Lord delights in that too? The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that we, if we worship Him, we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it says that He seeketh such to worship Him. In this setting, Jesus was delighted to have this interaction with Mary. And Jesus said, I'm not taking that away from her. I'm not going to take it away from her. He's not going to take it away from us either when we have that experience. He won't take it. He won't take it. We may choose at times to act like Martha. And you know what? Now Martha was a saved person. But Jesus tells her she was cumbered and troubled about many things. There's a bit of chiding going on here in Martha's experience. We've got to be careful too. Jesus won't take it, but guess what a Christian can do? They can give it up at times in their life. And I think they suffer when they do so. So he said, I'm not going to take that away from her. Isn't that something? So this morning, if that's your experience in life, you know that, nobody else might, but you know that. When it is an intimate interaction with the Savior. That's what it is. That's what the one thing here in this passage. And it's the best part. Of the many things in our life, it's the best part. And oh, I want to challenge you Listen, don't hesitate to push aside all the many things when needful and opportunity arise. And I personally believe 
that it's on the Lord's day. Just to be honest with you, I believe that. It's on the Lord's day. You know, God gave me seven days a week. I'd hate to think that I couldn't set aside a special time together with God's people and worship Him. So cherish it. Seek it. Don't you give it up. Father, we thank You and praise You for helping us to understand a little bit about what this one thing is that Jesus mentions here in the passage. And I believe it's such an important part of the experience of God's people. But Father, too, I want to pray if there's anyone here that don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. Father, maybe you've been speaking to their heart. Maybe you've been working in the circumstances of their life. Maybe you've intervened and you're drawing them. Oh, it would thrill our hearts this morning for someone to come to a saving knowledge to confess that before others and follow you in baptism and membership in your church. We pray for that. Bless us as we sing this closing number. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me while Aaron leads us in a closing number.